FOMO. The only thing people my age know is a broken democracy. The only thing we know is the complete opposite of what they teach in the history books of this sort of notion of boundless progress. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. People go through cycles of disruption. People and countries go through cycles of of novel sort of creative destruction that happens. Your audience is a, a business platform. People know that, you know, we need disruption in our country to keep getting better. But when that norm is totally broken, when the four major events that define someone like my life is 9-11, the Great Recession, the 2016 election, and the 2020 election, and the riots, and the pandemic, uh, that's not a great timeline for just success. That's Manu Meal, CEO of Bridge USA. I'm your host, Patrick McGinnis, and this is FOMO Sapiens. When the world's spinning out of control, it can be impossible to know what to do and what to miss out on. That's called FOMO, which is short for fear of missing out. How do I know? Because I coined the term, and I'm the world's first FOMologist. And this is the show where I ask entrepreneurial thinkers, people I call FOMO Sapiens, how they live and work with conviction no matter what life throws at them. FOMO. FOMO. Welcome back to FOMO Sapiens. Today, we're going to be talking about something that a lot of people have been struggling with over the last four or five years, and that is how to have conversations with people who maybe disagree with you on politics. If you turn on the television and watch a little cable news, the temperature is so high. It is ridiculous. There are no facts anymore. It's just people screaming at each other, getting mad, talking about things that don't even correspond to reality. And in fact, people are feeling it in their personal lives. There was a 2020 poll done by Pew Research Center that found that half of Americans have stopped talking politics with certain people in their lives because it's just too painful. But here's the thing, we have to be able to talk politics because as we've been talking about in previous episodes of the show, for example, with Mitch Weiss, talking about political entrepreneurship, if we don't get involved, if we don't add our voices in a constructive way, it's going to be hard to find solutions to the many problems that we face. And so what I wanted to do today is bring on two political entrepreneurs who are on the forefront of the battle to get us to talk to each other nicely, respectfully about politics. Manu Meal is the CEO of Bridge USA, a national organization working to engage, educate, and inspire the next generation of civic leaders. So how does he do that? Well, Bridge has established 35 chapters in universities across the United States. They're serving over a thousand students from all kinds of different ideological backgrounds, and they get them together to talk about the issues. Now, they used to do it in person. Lately, they've been doing it online, but it's basically about bringing people together saying, hey, you may be very liberal, you might be very conservative, but let's find a problem, let's talk about it, and let's see if we can actually get a solution. And believe it or not, that used to happen a lot more in politics. So starting with university students, creating a culture of being able to talk to each other, that's gonna filter into business, into politics, into all aspects of our society. So it's a really smart organization that I think is making a real difference. And Manu is an interesting guy because he's just 22 years old. He co-founded Bridge USA with some friends from college when he was at Berkeley. They've raised over a half a million dollars to run this thing full time. He turned down a job in Silicon Valley at a venture capital firm to do this. So I, I just think it's really interesting that he would make that choice and he's going to tell us why he did it and what he's doing now. I also invited Mark Casson, the co-founder of A Starting Point, or ASP. Now, Mark is an actor and a filmmaker and a tech entrepreneur, and he started ASP along with the actor Chris Evans, you know, Captain America, and technology entrepreneur Joe Kiani. And what ASP is, is a new kind of media company that shuns clickbait and trolling and instead gives voters the information they need on a variety of issues. They call these issues starting points. This could be the economy, the environment, 
and they go around and they interview lawmakers across the political spectrum and then present these interviews in bite-sized digestible videos. So the idea here is to take the heat down, take the temperature down, give people facts on the important issues, get a wide spectrum of viewpoints, and then allow you to decide. And I wanted to have both of these guys on because not only are they entrepreneurially thinking about one of the biggest market opportunities I can think of, which is getting people to talk to each other, which if we solve that problem, by the way, will create a ton of value. They also are gonna explain the problem how they're addressing it, and how they are now combining forces to have more impact. So these guys are doing something which I really respect. They're FOMO sapiens, they're busy people, they're doing a lot of things, and they're taking a good portion of their time to do something good for society by thinking like entrepreneurs. Now, if you wanna to learn to think like an entrepreneur, as you may know, I have created a new course called How to Be a Part-Time Entrepreneur, and you can find that course at Himalaya.com slash part-time. Himalaya is an app that offers all kinds of educational courses that are structured like podcasts. So if you like the sound of this voice for 20 minutes every week, you're going to love the course because it's basically 10, 20-minute episodes explaining how to go from nothing to all the way there on being a part-time entrepreneur. It's based on my book, the 10% Entrepreneur, which came out in 2016, but I added so much more content. So go check it out, Himalaya.com slash part-time. Use the code part-time. You get two weeks free trial. You can check out the course and let me know what you think. All right, and now on to the interview. So as I mentioned, Manu turned down an offer to work at a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley, which by the way is like the dream of every college student I know of. And he decided to go full-time on this political organization, which is a nonprofit. And so I wanted to start our interview by asking Manu exactly why he decided to choose changing the world over venture capital. For me, Patrick, I think the first thing is purpose. Purpose is something that I picked up on a little bit my freshman year in college. I met some amazing friends who uh, helped create Bridge USA alongside me. And having that group of people that were ready to sort of think about our politics in a more constructive way was just, it was, it was honestly that camaraderie was something that really drove me. But then I really started thinking about why do we do what we do? meeting a lot of successful people that we think have created some sort of difference or impact in the world. Most people like that are thinking beyond just the paycheck or they're thinking beyond just the next sort of short-term return. It's really about why do I exist and is what I'm doing creating some sort of impact in my respective field. The second thing was that trust in our citizenry is eroding at a rapid pace. And if you have a citizenry that lacks trust and confidence in each other, it undermines every aspect of society. And the last thing is just that our politics need new thinking. Politics is the one thing that has not been innovated in the last 200 years. We like innovate the cups that we drink water out of. We innovate the audio equipment that we're recording on, but we have not innovated the very systems of governance that actually dictate whether or not you and I can talk to each other. And that is just bonkers. So that's given all of that, plus the fact that our country seems like it's on a verge of, of serious crisis is all I needed to sort of throw in my hat in the ring. And the fact that I had an amazing team of friends to do it with me was just, uh, you know, uh, cherry on top. Yeah, but you could have gone to Silicon Valley and done this on the side. Like, why, why did you want to go all in? Because I think that there's something about going all in, which is that we often have this fear that there's so many different opportunities out there and let's get them all. There's this idea that, oh, I'll miss this. I'll miss that opportunity. But that opportunity cost, honestly, in the long run, at least to me, doesn't seem that great. Um, we all end up in the same place at the end of life. And so we got to give it our all in our moment. And and I just graduated, so I've honestly got nothing to lose. So part of the issue is that I've got nothing to lose. And so it makes the decision a lot easier. Tell me if this sounds familiar. 
Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, 1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. Happy birthday. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close the books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind, so you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs. Those are key performance indicators in one efficient system. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know the show is all about making better decisions. And with this product, you can make better decisions because you have all the information you need right in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash FOMO. That's netsuite.com slash FOMO to get your own KPI checklist. Because you know what? KPIs are better than ice cream. netsuite.com slash FOMO. Mark, you're in the entertainment industry in Hollywood. You also are an entrepreneur. So you're already doing a lot of things. You're, I like to think of you as a FOMO sapiens, doing many things and doing them well. You decided to add something new to the list, which is d- diving deeply into civic engagement. And this is, you know, it, as, as Manu just mentioned, this is an important topic, but what gave you sort of lit the fire for you to take an already busy life and add something new to it? To me, it's not that different than what I do. It's a different version of it. What my life has become and what I refine is I'm a professional storyteller and that storytelling needs to cultivate someone's voice. Maybe it's mine, maybe it's somebody else and then get to an audience. And so ASP is just a very specific mission to cultivate a voice and reach an audience. And I approached it uh, with people who know more about that subject than me. Many of them, most of the people who work on ASP uh, or a good chunk of them did a version of this professionally. And I'm just here basically to help think about where it needs to go, listen to both sides, not even meaning right and left, meaning elected officials, you know, the media world, and then, you know, the audience and think about how to refine a voice to get out there and use other people who actually do this for a living. So, I mean, it started with Chris Evans' idea, then Chris and I, and then my friend Joe Chiani sitting there around a table and distilling it, you know, the way, you know, Picasso would uh, a subject matter into its essence and then building it back up into what this is. But that's a process that I'll do at anything. Yeah, that's the power of of when you're when you're doing a bunch of things, but if there is a unifying central force, a skill set, a set of things that you do, and you can find that essence in each of them, you can be a heck of a lot more efficient. You can add more things to the mix without disrupting everything else. Now, we've mentioned each of your organizations, but I'd like to go a little deeper. So starting with you, Manu, talk about what Bridge does. What is, what is, what, what is it all about? What do you do every day? I believe that people are the fundamental unit of of our country and democracy. I think that people are the are the folks that actually vote at the ballot box. People are what move things forward. People are what innovate. My job is to make those people more empathetic, more constructive, and more solution-oriented. And I think it's got to start with young people. And so with Bridge, it's basically how can we make young people not only model citizens, but how can we inform them to think about politics in a different way? And so what we essentially do is we go to college campuses, we set up chapters. Think about green spaces in a city. We're basically creating civic spaces. And these civic spaces are peer-to-peer facilitated, led by students for students, creating and facilitating constructive, healthy dialogue, and basically emulating what you and I and Mark are doing at scale, having conversations, and then figuring out what next. Okay, give me an example of one of the events that you've done that that was impactful. 
I think that the biggest value of Bridge is actually seeing what we're doing in person and seeing the visceral reaction on a kid's face or a student's face, that aha moment when their mind changes. I think that's 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 what always drives me to, to Bridge. And so at Notre Dame, for example, we had hosted um, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice and Secretary of State John Kerry back in, I think, 2019 it was. And the cool part of the, about the event was not actually the actual event. It was getting to see the students actually interact with those two secretaries and board leaders that you only see on the TV in the backstage. And in this dialogue and discussion, these people actually liked each other. Like Condi was calling Secretary Kerry John and Secretary Kerry was calling Condoleezza Rice Condi. And people, they traded scarves, they traded a tobacco, they, they had like a cigar exchange. And it was like, wow, like people actually care about each other and the intentions behind people's actions are, are genuine. And we don't get to see it in our politics and, and scaling that for us. And that's a big example, Patrick, but like the minutia example of students with each other. At Cal, for example, we hosted a debate um, where we had 80 students discuss homelessness. There's a park in Berkeley called People's Park. These students came together. You had some homeless people come from, from the city. You had some students. You had some advocates. And uh, believe it or not, people actually came to shared understanding what to do with the park. That's that's what we got to replicate. If you actually sit down with people, not just comment on their Facebook posts and fight with them, but you sit down with them and look into their eyes and recognize there's this person there and maybe they don't agree with you, but there's a person nonetheless, magical things can happen. One of the one of my mentors uh, uh, and someone that I watched from afar, Van Jones on CNN, one thing that he told us once was that the best antidote to polarization is humanization. Actually seeing the person behind the comment, not just the comment, actually seeing the intention behind the argument, not just the argument. That's what Bridge does. It helps people see the intention. It helps people see the person. And Mark, so somebody goes to check out your website or engages with your work. What's the experience they're going to have? What we consciously did when we created the site was to make something that people could explore in the way that they needed it, right? So there's a way to go and look at starting points. If you just want to look up a piece of information, what is DACA? You go and you click on immigration, you click on DACA, you get no less than three answers from a Republican elected or formerly elected official and three Democrats. And that's for hundreds of subjects. Uh, we have thousands of minutes of answers directly from elected officials. That is the glossary type, you know, um, uh, uh, um, informational part in terms of things that are kind of evergreen. And those come back in various ways. People can search for that. But then there's other things like daily points where elected officials put their own content up every single day. And then there's interviews that we do with elected officials and things called explorers or Chris and I do them in chats. And then that lives at the top. So, Nowadays, and I don't know how many of this, people experience their news where they are. So the site is there as a resource for anyone who wants to go and look things up and, and you know, they can find one subject and then find any version of the verticals we have from starting points, daily points, or counterpoints, which are our debates. But those also get pushed out over social media and partnered in a ways that people can experience them without coming to the site at all, or they can connect to different information in, in, in different uh, resources uh, in other places, which we actually are going to be growing over the next year. Um, but you know, the short answer is how do people, how do people experience information on our site? Kind of however they want to. I remember there was a time a long time ago when I would think, 
oh, in Europe, you know that there's a, you know, which newspaper is the left-wing one and which one's the right-wing one. It was very open, but we didn't think about our media that way. We thought media was just media. What we've learned is that's not the case. And so you're creating a space where you're taking issues and you're giving people a bunch of different fact-based information from different perspectives because people can disagree on an issue, but they're able to then learn and then from there start to have better conversations and then go to, you know, go to their college campus, their their Bridge USA conversation and have a nice, pleasant fact base. Maybe, you know, maybe there'll be disagreement, but it isn't like at the end people storm out and say, like, I wish you were dead and you're a bad person and you hate America and stuff like that. Is, is, is that is that what we're doing? You know, what we consciously did is a, a few of the things at the top when we went in is let's remove what we think are the unhealthy reward mechanisms. There's no message boards on our site. There's, there's no comment. There's no likes or dislikes, you know, things that people would go on our site so they can get that line that they can be repeat over and over. Uh, that happens in, in some traditional media. Just there isn't a, a mechanism as much for that on our site. So people don't come to us to do that. Um, it has taken some time and some trust to build a relationship with elected officials where they felt comfortable becoming more candid and it's really happening. And I, I find it really encouraging. Um, I, I, you know, and for sure there's real debate and real difference of opinion, but ASP is an idea and it, it, it really stands for um, a, a way to disseminate information and, and talk about differences or talk about things that you might have a difference of opinion on in a way that could move something forward or do something. The, the thing that is working for us is if you look at the news today, um, the news has a narrative that it picks up on and and then repeats over 24 hours. And it just has to. It's not a, I'm not bagging on traditional news. I watch too much of it. Um, but, the, you know, if something happens at the top of the air, they need to report that at the next top of the hour. And, and you know, there's A, B, and C storylines that happen. So and if an elected official wants to get on and talk about something, they need to now play into the train that's left that goes from the uh, news cycle. For us, that's not the case. You know, our, our A, B, and C storylines, our, our content trajectory is based on the legislative calendar, which sounds maybe not as exciting as you think, because the legislative calendar shows up in the daily news. So we try to get ahead of it by asking elected officials what they're going to look to pass, what, what are the things that matter to their constituents. And then we also come to them when there are things that are in the news that we know that they're going to have um, relevance to. But it's not about them having to be a part of the narrative that we are perpetuating, that we're selling ads around, because it has to be this sort of a thing. It's just not what we do. Now, the reason why I was so interested in having you guys on the show is I have become, I've been sucked in. Like, I, I thought I was immune to these things, but I, I doom scroll. I watch the news. I feel bad when I do it. It's not a good place. It's not, it's not helping me make better decisions. And when I heard about what you guys were doing, it really resonated with me. And I, I came back from from the the holidays or Christmas, and I felt pretty relaxed and chill. And it was January third, and then all of a sudden we had the attacks on the Capitol. And I thought this is an important conversation to have. So that's why I wanted to have you here. And I want to take the opportunity of having you, Manu. You're 22 years old. You know where? I just want to get an idea of like you know. I'm not going to ask you to speak for your generation, although I think you could do a pretty good job, but. Where are your you you and your peers heads at right now with all the stuff that's happening? I mean, it's just it is a crazy time to be turning twenty two. When you think about a young person that's twenty two or twenty three, honestly, anyone under the age of twenty four, uh, 
around age 15 is when we've realized that there's a world out there that it's it's more than just our family and there's something outside of our house called politics and people and they make decisions and that you're not the only thing in the world you know if you look at the last nine years let's say i'm 15 it was 15 so seven years the only thing people my age know is a broken democracy the only thing we know is the complete opposite of what they teach in the history books of this sort of notion of boundless progress. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. People go through cycles of disruption. People and countries go through cycles of of novel sort of creative destruction that happens. Your audience is a, a business platform. People know that, you know, we need disruption in our country to keep getting better. But when that norm is totally broken, when the four major events that define someone like my life is 9-11, the Great Recession, the 2016 election and the 2020 election and the riots and the pandemic. Uh, that's not a great timeline for just success. That's that's a little rough. And, and that I think leads to two things. First, I think many young people are resorting to pessimistic politics, pessimistic engagement, that it's either, you know, the system needs to radically change or we totally disengage. And the second thing that happens is that most young people feel especially when the educated ones, the folks that have been fortunate enough to go to college, right? The 49% of sort of the, the Gen Z. Uh, if you're, imagine you're an educated student and the only thing you see is democracy and decline, you're gonna start to think for other political systems. The, the actual quality and aspiration for a democratic country is rapidly declining. That isn't happening everywhere, that's starting to nibble away. And we have to do everything to reverse that trend. Um, I grew up in India. Uh, for five five to six years. It's nice to see the U.S. going through a little bit of a disruptive element. It's good to have that perspective. But I think that young people are taking it a little bit too far. And how can you blame them? So we got to show systems that work. And it's it's very important to do it right now. By the way, I just think you should know that you are the second ever youngest person to come on FOMO Sapiens. We had a 12-year-old called Diego Gonzalez who had already started a company and, and, had, a, and had a workspace in Soho. So. Oh, my God. So I'm not sure you're going to catch up to him, but, uh, but nor, nor do I have I, any interest I, to do so. <laughs> but I do think for those of us, you know, we may not, rem it's really impactful what you say about what your generation has lived through. I think we forget because, you know, it's just, it's, it's a very different view of the world. Now, Mark, you're, you're not 22, obviously you're, you're into your career. You've, you've built businesses. I am, I am painfully aware uh, that I am not here 22, but, uh, but you know, you live in California where everybody is eternally youthful. But you're working with Gen Z and millennials and you're talking to a community that, you know, is complex. So what have you learned? And, and as you do that, like, what have you learned about communicating and, and relating to these two generations? To make sure you involve people from them, you know, even before we started dealing with uh, Manu and Bridge and the very first thing we did once we felt that we had our our feet on the ground and we're clear in our, our mission and our voice was involved a, a group called close up the close up foundation who has been doing civics engagement for 50 years and has worked with hundreds of thousands of going on a million uh, classrooms and they as a mechanism are in tune to the oncoming voice of people who are you know, they've been committed to creating tools, to creating ways to get teachers and teach educators and professionals on how to educate kids to civically engage and discuss these issues. So the first thing we did was go to people who are doing it every day. Because again, you know, I, I am a, I'm a professional storyteller. I am in media. So it is my job to think about who 
might be listening and, and what somebody might get out of something. So we think about that and what's the best way to access, uh, to, to access an audience and what's the best way that we could give service to the elected officials to give them access. Chris obviously has a very young audience uh, through his day job as a, as a superhero and, and other work. And, and so, you know, that's worth bringing to the table. But the most important thing is we just bring the access point to the table. We listen to people like Manu, like the good folks at Close Up, who do this every day to figure out what's the best way to integrate. Because it would be a little, I think, um, you know, it's, it's not really, we are not qualified to try to, you know, either save the world. Folks like Manu, you know, their organization does this. You know, we just are trying to shine a light on it. And, and make a, a flow through entity, if you will, and, and how to, you know, uh, couch and, and put in uh, the, the information together. But, but the generation, the voice is theirs. Now, Mark, you mentioned, I mean, you guys have platform and especially Chris Evans, big platform, right? I mean, he's got social media, he's a superhero by day and defending Jacob by night, which I watched deep into the pandemic. And yet no good deed goes unpunished. And there is a risk when, when people in the entertainment industry engage in politics that there can be a backlash. And sometimes, by the way, it's well-deserved. But oftentimes, it's just that the, the rhetoric is heated and you see that things spin out of control. And so how do you guys think about engaging in a way that has impact, but at the same time, not getting in a place where you create backlash that can, you know, can then actually make your platform dangerous to, to your careers? You know, I have two partners, Chris and, and Joe Chiani, who both have very, you know, public lives in different ways. And, and I can't speak for them. We, um, and you can't, you know, we all three of us have experience in not being able to control what people say about us. Um, uh, I, I can remember vividly some reviews of the first play that I wrote. They weren't good. And, uh, you know, I, I would have liked to control that writer uh, and what they had to say about my work then. I think, you know, this is a minefield and, and we just do the best we can to create a mechanism to allow elected officials who we who are responsible to their constituents, to the world, to pass laws that affect our lives. And so we're not commenting on them. There are many people on the site that I, there are people that I don't agree with. There are people on the site that I never thought I'd agree with that I've come to respect tremendously. But the, the service that we provide is these folks are elected. They are in power. They are chosen. They are passing laws. They, and, and their decisions affect all of our lives, whether you're from their state or not. And we would like them to be able to say what they're about so people can know. I hope we don't get too much uh, you know, grief for stuff, but we, we, we do the best we can. And uh, we're very confident in what our intent is and what our guiding principles are, and, you know, can't please everybody. You're obviously both here together, and the reason why you're here together is because I heard that you're going to start working together more closely. So, Manu, why don't you tell us how a starting point and bridge are going to be partnering starting now? We've got these discussions. We have these vibrant civic spaces that are student-led, that are engaging young people, but we need good content. We need good news narratives to plug into that, and that's the first thing is Mark and, and the folks at ASP are basically thinking about how to disrupt media. We've got this amazing product that they've put out. Let's use that as a starting point, no pun intended, for discussions. The second part of it is that as you think about growing Bridge, for example, 
shining a light on our work is basically the limiting factor that is preventing us from scale. I wish you could meet the amazing friends that have built this alongside me and with me because those folks have actually put in everything they've got into it. And people like, uh, and the leaders at ASP have that caching credibility to really demonstrate that there is significant potential in a youth movement. So both of you, you know, Mark, you've, you've been an entrepreneur for a while and Manu, you, you consider going to VC, but you had exposure to the industry. So I'm curious from both of your lenses, like how is this political entrepreneurship different than say just building a, a tech company? It's not, you know, I look at everything through the lens of my training as a storyteller, objective, obstacle, tactic, who are you talking to? Uh, how do you refine your voice? How is it relevant to them? If this is true, then what else? Asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. That is true of great technology. Technology has to apply a service in connecting and harnessing a voice and bringing it to somebody who can be used to uh, hear it or being somebody who needs to hear information. That's all we're doing here, you know, and, and the, the holy trinity of technology, arts, uh, you know, and, and government, <laughs> uh, I guess, is what we live at the at nexus of. Uh, but to empower through information, this happens to be um, connecting the electorate to the people that elected them and making people feel like they have an entry point, demystifying so they have a place to start. A starting point was created because we wanted no more information, you know, because Chris was like, you know what? I don't really sometimes know what I'm talking about when I tweet this thing. I wish I had a place that I felt comfortable looking at it. So it's, it's all the same thing as far as I'm concerned, you know, you know, telling a story, accessing a question, being responsible to an audience, and then standing up for what you believe in or finding those beliefs uh, so you can be challenged to have it make you better. Manu, final word. I mean, what Mark said, there's two things I think that every great tech company has, which is why I actually don't think political entrepreneurship, tech entrepreneurship, they've go, both got the word entrepreneurship in it. I don't think they're very different. Every great tech company I've seen, two things. They've got a very identified and clear problem, and they have a solution to get there. They're innovating. They're thinking about a different way that's that's more radical and different than the status quo. Bridge is basically thinking about how is, how is higher education educating our young people to think in more civically engaged man manners. We don't think that that's happening. We think that young people are becoming increasingly polarized. So our goal is let's disrupt that civic engagement process. Let's bring these uh, civic spaces student-led, student-initiated, so that we can build a democracy that actually responds to Americans and doesn't just respond for them. And that is so crucial in our work, and I think it's necessary. The big underpathy, and to Mark's point, is like when you're building that big tech company, you've got to love the people you work with, you've got to be able to empathize with your user, who your customer is, and you've got to bring the best quality and product to that person. And so I think that the skill sets that people are learning at Bridge are applicable to every industry on the planet. And I think we need more of it. All right. If you want to learn more about Bridge USA and a starting point, you can check out bridgeusa.org. And you can find a starting point on Instagram and on the web at a starting point and on Twitter at ASP. Manu and Mark, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for having us. FOMO. Big news. We now have a brand new website. So head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. Also, head over to Spotify where you can find and follow playlists of the best of the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music FOMO. is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstrom. FOMO.
If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMOSapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO.